everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks. I'm your host, Carolyn Heiss, film critic and journalist. And this is the podcast slash YouTube channel where I speak to film creatives and those in the industry about their work, the industry, and what inspires them. And today I'm joined by Goran Topalovich to talk about this, this celebration of Korean film. And it's going to be it's an event being held by the Lincoln Film Center, which coincidentally also hosts the New York Asia Film Festival that I just recently covered. So, and it was also co-founded by Goran. So I'm very excited to have him here to join me to um, to talk about the project, which is going on from September the 1st to September the 17th this year to celebrate an amazing decade of Korean film. And that will be the, the decade of the 1960s. So it's going to be fun to talk about these films. So first of all, thank you, Goran. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I, so if, I always like to ask my guests, first of all, what got them interested in their work? So for you, what got you interested in covering East Asian cinema, but most specifically South Korean cinema? Because as I mentioned at the beginning, you co-founded the um, New York Asian Film Festival, as well as the Subway Cinema um, organization. So what got you interested in film and starting as a film critic and then starting all of these organizations to celebrate the making of film? Ah, so it's all started back in 1980s when I was a teenager growing up in Yugoslavia, and I've always been a big movie buff. And it is at that time that I uh, developed uh, interest and love for Hong Kong movies, right? Of course, mm -hmm. it all started with Bruce Lee and then Jackie hey. Chan and uh, action films. And after I moved to the States, uh, then I had access to... New York Chinatown theaters and, uh, you know, Chinese video shops and Laserdisc stores, right? So it all kind of grew from there. Um, and um, I became involved in, in the local uh, Asian uh, cinema subculture. Uh, so it was all kind of grassroots. And we also started exchanging information on uh, um, uh, something called internet, uh, which we're all trying to figure <laughs> out how to use and, and to build our own, uh, uh web pages with HTML code. <laughs> so the good old days. <laughs> yes. Good old days. So, so it's, it really all started from, from there. Um, and ultimately, uh, those of us who, who were, you know, frequenting Chinatown movie theaters, uh, would, ultimately become co-founders of the New Occasion Film Festival. But that's probably a story for another day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as far as the Korean cinema, uh, for me, the interest in Korean cinema started in the kind of late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And it really started with a couple of films. Um, it was director Im Young says Nowhere to Hide from 1999. Mm -hmm. um, that just kind of blew my mind. And I've never really seen anything like it. Um, yeah, so, and, and I think it's still a film that's a bit underwatched and undervalued, I would say. So I would recommend uh, your audience to, to seek out uh, that film. It's called Nowhere to Hide. Uh, there should be a, a DVD release at one point. There was a DVD release at one point, but it's also a movie that needs to be, you know, released on Blu-ray. So hopefully someone will pick it up one of these days. Um, and yeah, so, you know, just I've, I've always been like that. You know, whatever I'm curious about and wanted to learn about other uh, country cinemas, and I would always kind of do research by myself. And you know, back in those days, once again, uh, information wasn't that accessible on the internet, right? So now it's just so easy to to find out information. But back in the day, you know, we we relied on the network of like-minded fans, and 
uh, you know, exchanging uh, movies and also started traveling to Asia to, to attending film festivals and kind of that's, that's how it all went, I guess. Mm, yeah, we have a lot in common, not just our interest in East Asian cinema, Korean mm. cinema in particular, but also kind of like how we got involved in watching um, Asian cinema in general. Like for me, it was the same Hong Kong films, you know, yeah. like things like um, Shaolin Temple, you know, Drunken Master, the old silver yeah. movies. Like I grew up well, the Shaw Brothers, movies. you know, the Shaw Brothers, yes, know, the, 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 the they're the innovators of action films, you know, yeah. Asian action films, Bruce Lee, of course, but. Also, I think, um, like, yeah, discovering the internet. I think where we live now, and it ties into what we're discussing, is the internet has made, um, it was so confusing and so, um, I think it's still very confusing. I'm going to be 40 at the end of this month. My birthday is, my birthday is August 31st. So I am from the generation of discovering. Yes. The internet, dealing yes. with dial-up, you know, having to use CD-ROMs to download programs and all mm -hmm. of that. So, mm -hmm. And having, like for me, discovering film came part with pirating. I also support pirating because without pirating, I would have never been able to watch as many films as I do. But I was able to watch these, these films by going to my local video store and getting renting VHS tapes, you know, and like watching things like Turner Classic Movies and TNT. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with Asian cinema for, for the very same reason, because I think coming from the Caribbean, like a lot of our culture is very similar in the fact, like some things culturally, like the way we prepare food, you know, taking off our shoes indoors. I've always found like an affinity for Asian cinema, especially mm -hmm. for Korean cinema, because I think our cultures, like I'm from Barbados, our cultures are ironically kind of similar, like, you know, respecting our elders, how we address people is very specific. And and that's one of the things that draws me to Korean cinema and draws me to events like this um, gold, celebration of golden decade of cinema for Korean film. Because I think Kore for a lot of people, Korean cinema flew under the radar for so many years. And now, of course, everyone thinks, you know, everyone thinks of Parasite when they talk about like, now the whole, um, this new wave of interest in Korean cinema. Of course, we knew the Hallyu wave was in the mid-2000s, and then there was another second... I think we're technically in the third wave of the Hallyu wave. Oh, but there's so like, many waves now, There's right? so many but, waves, right? And, and there's so many aspects of it, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there are. And when you, and when you watch films, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I haven't watched as many of the older um, Korean films, like these ones from the 60s, so I'm very happy to be able to talk to you about these because, like... I most of the Korean films that I watched were like from the nineties and mm -hmm. onward. Most of them yeah. were action films. I'm, I'm yes. a very big fan of the action films. Like a man from nowhere is one of my top action films ever. Yes. I think the one you mentioned, I think that's an action film, isn't it? I think no, it's to hide. It's, it's an action film, but it's more than just that. Right. It, it, well, it just, yeah. For me, most Korean films are never bought are very, very layered. Like for these ones, the ones I selected to talk to you today about, um, one is The Devil's Staircase from 1964, A Woman Judge mm -hmm. from 1962, and mm -hmm. Aimless Bullet from 1960, because I wanted to get like a broad range across the decade. And yeah. first, for this celebration of um, suffering, I wanted to ask you, why specifically the 60s? Why did you choose this specific decade to highlight and to celebrate? Right. So uh, as as you mentioned, right, so most people are familiar with with uh new korean cinema which which mm -hmm. is that movement that just kind of exploded on the international scene right uh, late 90s into early 2000s and uh you know uh bong joon ho they really culminated with with bong joon ho getting the oscar for paris right yeah uh so there was a question like when was the last time in korean film history that they had such 
explosion of uh, not just creativity, but also uh, growth of the domestic film industry. And that turned out to be the 1960s. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first the golden era of, of Korean cinema. And, um, you know, scholars are debating when, when exactly does it start? When does it end? And they say, okay, maybe it really started in late 50s and goes all the way into kind of early 70s. But in order kind of to make this a bit more manageable uh, from the curatorial standpoint, you know, we say, okay, we're just going to do the 60s because this is really where the kind of the pinnacle of that um, and as we call it a, a golden decade right so so those were really the, the truly the the boom years in korean cinema where uh after the war war ended in 1953 and in the 60s you know you already have this this amazing uh volume of productions and range of productions uh why it happened it's a combination of several factors it's really a combination of certain government policies and state control and and you know even being protectionistic of, of the domestic industry um and uh you know creation of of a production system uh, as a as a response to these policies uh as well as uh, a lot of creative energy uh after the war you know to rebuild the country and and a lot of uh passionate filmmakers who wanted to tell their stories so you have all those elements coming together and uh, of course the audience who, who, who really liked watching um, uh, the, the films. So, and there was kind of main entertainment. Um, so uh, that's one of the, the reasons why we decided to highlight the 1960s um, as a kind of very uh, important era in Korean cinema history. And one that has resulted in films that people can still enjoy today and can draw inspiration from today so mm. I, I agree because um recently i watched um i've seen like older films because i think one of the f oldest ones i think probably the oldest korean film i've seen is one called mandala and i think mm -hmm. it's, it's an extremely long film <laughs> but it, well, i think it was something that's been very interesting for me with korean films because i started getting to korean cinema like as i said like from the 2000s like when i lived back home in barbados but one thing I always found very interesting Korea, because of their history with the war, but also Japan, the yes, occupation yes, of Japan yes. and all of that is like their films to me have always been very political. Same thing mm -hmm. with their dramas. Even when you watch a film that seems totally innocuous on the surface, like especially for their action films, right. it, there's always an, under, um, uh, an underlying theme of politics and class mm -hmm. systems because mm -hmm. it's something that's so, I think, specific to their culture in particular like they went immediately from the occupation of japan from occupy uh, japan occupying them and colonizing them straight into the war i don't even call it the korean war because it wasn't started by them but i call it the war right. in korea right. and like everything that 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 transpired with that then you had the then you had their dictatorships then you had the mm -hmm. movement for democracy then you had the 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 whole um um, industrial boom uh, with the with the 1988 Olympics and all of these things play a part in all of their in all of their stories and even in the films in in the for that you selected for the 1960s um they all talk about some way in politics you know like a woman judge talks about this is a woman who's she's has a career as a judge but she's still being told to choose family still being told yes. to choose her husband and all of these story and then all of these subplots and how all of these these subplots all tie into how women are being um, no matter they're being told to be successful, but still being expected to, you know, live in a patriarchal society. And then Aimless Bullet, that talks about the devastation, the, the devastating effects of the war on like the soldiers, you know, how that further impacts their families and 
like the whole aimless bullet. I thought that, that film, you think the aimless bullet is this one protagonist, and then at the end you realize, wait, no, no, it's someone else, you know, it's like this other character, and then you realize basically all of these men became aimless bullets after the war. Like all of these basically, like the war is the gun and they're the bullets, right? So I love how the film, the, these films tackle these themes, and then for the devil's staircase, it's again about class, you know, like this doctor, he's trying to level up his status by marrying this rich woman and then it's like who is the person that's going to be victimized because of this you know and like that's something i love about korean cinema like they talk so much about yes you got the you got the the, uh, the affairs the love the romance the yes betrayal, the agony all but, that yep but it's all underscored by how their culture is so they're still dealing with so much uh, grief, you know, and so mm -hmm. much psychological trauma, as so much collective trauma as a country, which I think is so fascinating how all of their stories are in that. So I want you to talk now about your um your perspective as someone who's watched all of these films and then curating all of these stories and and then starting something in the New York Asian Film Festivals and why you why you think it's important to highlight these specific stories and highlight Korean cinema, especially now like people think, oh, it's like this new interest, but I'm just like I'm always of the opinion is like I try not to like highlight cinema because it's a trend and it's a fad. But like for mm -hmm. me, it's a way of getting to know the culture and getting to know the people and getting to know the politics of of Korea. Because I think Korean films is when you watch a Korean film, you can kind of get an understanding of the Korean politics, and it makes me more curious to learn more about why the filmmakers are so why talking so much about their politics is such a I think an intrinsic part part of their storytelling. Uh, because it's uh, such a such a part of their life, and like when you when you have done that really great summary of kind of Korean history from being a colony to the war to uh, rapid industrialization and modernization and authoritarian governments and and all this has <laughs> yeah, happened a very very short yeah uh, time period right so so you can imagine just just the the, the level of traumas that one has to deal with right so uh, and. Uh, you know, I think you really nailed it, even in terms of your assessment of these films that you picked to talk about. So I'm not even sure that I can really add anything more to it <laughs> to what you already said. So, so. <laughs> but um, I, I think uh, even though all these stories may be specific to their uh, cultural and historical context, I think they're still universal, right? Mm -hmm. So... Um, and I, I think that's the kind of important thing to, 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 to showcase, not even so much, yes, their, their political issues and their class issues, but ultimately in terms of, uh, you know, challenges that we all have as humans going through life and, and, and the decisions that we make and what drives us and how, how can we all live better together, right? Mm -hmm. I think this all speaks to that in a way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's sort of how I look at it. Um, right yeah. and 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 so for this particular project for the 19 um mm -hmm. 1960s the interesting thing is i attended an event for tiff recent that, that was held at tiff recently mm -hmm. where we watched a film called madam freedom yes. and it's kind of also about highlighting um korean cinema like now tiff the actual festival is coming up and like mm -hmm. i'm trying to get more um i'm trying to get access to films for the festival but what is it um not only about south korean cinema but asian cinema in general that really appeals to you because you've made such you've made um highlighting these films such a big part of your career and such a big part of your path as a as a critic and a journalist and a lover of film like what is it about asian films in general that attracts and appeals to you so much yeah i don't think and i don't think there's a really simple answer to that because mm -hmm. i i think if i look at the last 20 years 
uh, and through different parts of my life, there's certain different aspects that appeal to me at any given time. Because as we grow, as we, we change as, as, as individuals, right, we, uh, we become interested also in different things as we mature, right? So, so maybe initially, uh, I think the uh, attraction of, of Hong Kong action cinema was at a purely kind of visceral level and, and really the, the artistry, the, uh, you know, the, the action choreography and, and the scenes that they could imagine and execute. Uh, you know, no one else was making films like that, right? So, and, and it was really its own world. It was an alternative to whatever Hollywood or other, uh, uh, other countries were making right at the time. Um, and, uh, and, you know, th there was also this, always this certain kind of identification of, of, uh, uh, you know, those who are kind of oppressed and, and, but they, you know, they can develop skills and then they can win against, you know, the more powerful opponents. Right. So, um, there was aspect of that, but, but then as, as, uh, I, I think there's also certain, uh, appeal to me and i think this is also what you mentioned earlier kind of you see some similarities between certain aspects of your culture and korean culture and i would say that's kind of true for me as well in a sense that uh you know i, I grew up in the balkans and the old yugoslavia mm. and, and there are certain aspects of the kind of the balkan mentality and history you know peninsula always being uh, kind of between the big powers and not always in control of its own destiny. Right. And, and there are certain um, uh, character national character traits that develop as a result of that. So, so, I, so I'm also able to observe some of those commonalities uh, if uh, with, uh, with, with certain Korean stories and, and ex experiences that are expressed uh, in cinema. So, mm. Great. Um, we're, we're, at, uh, for, we're up for time now, but this was great. This was brief, but great. But I'm going to have to yeah. ask you to come back and talk to me for another interview for my podcast because I have so many things to ask you and to talk about. Um, but thank you so much for speaking with me today, Goran. And thank you so much for highlighting these films because I actually now have a whole other list of films to watch now, <laughs> which I'm very I'm happy glad. about. <laughs> and thank you so much, Caroline. It was an absolute pleasure talking to you. And I hope we'll have another chance to, to talk more on, on, on these subjects that are dear to us. So. So everyone, that was another episode of Carolyn Tuss, and today I was joined by film critic and journalist, as well as film programmer and festival organizer, Goran Topolovich, to talk about Korean cinema's golden decade, the 1960s. And in this decade of cinema, there are so many films that speak to the past and the present of Korea at that time in the 1960s, but I think of also the future, because if you watch so many films that came after the 1960s, you can see how the those films from the 1960s influenced a lot of filmmakers that came afterwards, as well as TV writers and directors. Because if I'm th as I'm thinking about it, I can see a lot of some touchstones and some footprints from these films in the 1960s in a lot of um, dramas that I've been watching, especially those I think in the mid 2000s. There's a lot of touches with regards to like the filming style and the acting styles. And one thing that I that I really want to talk to go around about is when you watch Korean films from say the 1940s, the 1960s, and even say maybe the 1970s, the acting style of Korean actors has changed over the decades especially the way they speak like the way they speak as performers within these films is very different to how they speak now and it's always something that's very interesting to me as a 
lover of film, but also lover of Asian cinema in particular, because each country has a very distinct way of acting. Like the way Koreans act is not the same way that Japanese actors perform, the same way that Chinese actors perform, and so on and so forth. So it's always fascinating to me. But this decade in particular can really give you a lot of insight into Korean history, especially during their involvement in the Second World War, because they were an ally force as well. But then also the Korean, the war in Korea, which began right at the end of the Second World War, straight went straight into the 1940s 50s and then there was the armistice which which means that the war has never officially been declared over they're just in a holding pattern as it is and um the film touches a lot on how that affected them as a culture and individually as people and families so that's very interesting so this festival will be running from september the 1st to the 17th at the lincoln film festival so you can go there watch the cinemas watch the films in person if you want to but i believe they're also available on online as well so go to the lincoln film center website and look where look up how you can watch the films online as well and you can as usual you can find this interview with goran in video format on my youtube channel that's youtube.com slash at sign carolyn underscore hines find other interviews that i did that i did for the new york asian film festival which as i mentioned in the interview goran co-founded and you can look to pass look for other interviews that I did for other film festivals, such as the previous season of Toronto International Film Festival, Sundance, South by Southwest. And um, ironically, this I, I will be beginning my coverage of the 2023 Toronto International Film Festival, and I'll be doing some coverage for Korean films. So it'll be interesting to have this conversation go around and then go straight into covering Korean cinema for the Toronto International Film Festival. And I'm hoping to be able to talk to some filmmakers there and perhaps discuss how the 1960s inspired them as well. So that'll be great fun. As usual, you can also go to my R3 page, that's authorwy.com slash Carolyn Hines and find all of my interviews film reviews op ads um <laughs> there as well you, you can find external links for those to like the original websites that they're published with or you can read them on the site and um you can go to my twitter and instagram using the hash using the handle at carrie san h12 and usually in the pin tweets and in within my instagram stories you can find links to my previous interviews as well and on social media, I've been I've been using the hashtag Carolyn Talks. So on Twitter and on Instagram, as as I said, you can go to hashtag Carolyn Talks and find my interviews that way as well. As well as those for Africa, the African American Film Critics Association virtual roundtables where we speak to creatives in the in Hollywood, where we discuss Black films and TV shows and Black creators in this interview in the industry as well um so until the next episode of carolyn talks everyone stay safe bye